What's up, Kensington? How's it going, everyone? You look great. Not as good as me, but dare to dream. You know, I'm, I'm just kidding, kind of. Anyway, my name is Keith Valentine. I'm one of the volunteers here. Let me just be one of the first to say thank you for spending part of your Sunday here. And for those that are visiting us online, can't wait to see you in person. Thank you for spending part of your Sunday with us. Um, if you're new here, we would love to get connected with you. You can now, in this age, we used to hand out Connect cards and you'd fill them out, but we can't give you anything. So now we're doing digital Connect cards. You can text the word new to 407 278 7291, and then we can get you on our mailing list to keep you in touch with all the events we have going on. And also, if you've been coming a while and you want to get connected in a lot of the different areas that we offer, you can text any of these words up on the screen here behind me to get connected for those different opportunities, and the leaders of those groups will reach out to you and get you connected. So, speaking of events, I got two events I want to talk to you about. Our Man Up group is having an event on Saturday the 10th. From 1 to 4 at our 246 facility, we're having a cornhole tournament. And then on September 21st, we're having axe throwing. And that's a father-son axe throwing, 13 and up. It was a blast last time we did it. This time we took over the whole building. All right? It was so much fun. We took over the whole building. That's a 6.30 to 9.30 on the 21st. We'll be doing axe throwing. So I'd love for you guys to come and join us. Now, one of the things that we believe is that you grow in rows, but you grow more in circles. And what we mean by that is that you can learn here and you can grow spiritually by coming here. But when you go to a life group and do life with people and sit in a circle, you grow so much more. And today, this week, or is it today? I think the last uh, week to sign up is this week for this season of life groups. And I would just encourage you to pray about that. There's, there's couples groups, there's men's groups, there's ladies groups, and all different days of the week for you to get connected with other people here from our church. And then lastly, giving. So giving has changed. We can't do the offering basket anymore. So we've got three different ways for you to give. We've got this My Well Giving app. You can download that. You can give that way. You can go to kensingtonorlando.org slash giving. And then lastly, old school, you can drop it in the offering basket as you go out the door. All right? That's all I got for you today. So today, we're on our last week of Back to a New Future. And today, we're talking about rhythm. Take it away, guys.
watch him see what you will do everyone's looking at you everyone's wondering will you come out tonight everyone's trying to get it right get it right everybody's working for the Everybody wants a little romance Everybody's going up the deep end Everybody needs a second chance Oh, you want a piece of my heart You better start from the start You want to be in the show Come on, baby, let's go Good morning. How are you guys doing? You good? That was a fun start to the day. Uh, my name is Kevin Valentine. Welcome to Kensington. I'm the lead pastor here. For those of you that are joining us online, 
Thank you for being here, watching us in your living room in your pajamas. Um, enjoy the time. Uh, but we are in the last week of our series called Back to a New Future, where we've been looking at what might God be trying to teach us over this last year. This last year where we have had a lot of things forced on us, a forced slowdown. We've been forced to do less. Some of us have been forced to have less, to be with the important people in our lives more. We've had less options to do with our free time, and we've had forced free time. And just when you think that things are kind of getting into this stable trajectory, I don't know if you've been paying attention over this last week, and you think, oh, maybe coronavirus is kind of heading down, and then all of a sudden, bam, you've got the president, all of the aides around him, and you've got a bunch of NFL players that have gotten coronavirus, and it seems like, man, are we like ramping back up or what? But it got me thinking this last week, I found a t-shirt online that I think you should get because it perfectly epitomizes not only the series, but where we're at with this entire year because people have started to say, I don't know if you started hearing this, have started to say, I just want to get to 2021. Like, like get 2020 out of here. Let's just get to 2021. Well, here's a shirt that is perfect for this series. And that is this, Marty, whatever happens, don't ever go to 2020. Like just leave that entire year out. And you can actually buy those shirts online. I almost did uh, just because I think that is perfect. But one of the themes that we've been talking about through this series, this is week four, um, is this, this idea of simplifying and slowing down our lives. Because God in, designed us to function best and enjoy life the most when we are two things, when we are rested and fruitful in our lives. He designed us to experience the best that life has to offer when we are rested and fruitful. And so in this series, we've been talking about how can we organize our lives around these ideas of being rested and fruitful. And the first week was just about slowing our lives down intentionally, like choosing a slower pace was week one, and week two was choosing times of silence and solitude daily and weekly as a way to connect with Jesus and connect kind of, you're the, you're the, you're the vine and he is the branch, or, or, and, and we need to connect into him so that we can be filled up. And you do that through silence and solitude. Last week, we talked about simplifying our friendships because coronavirus has kind of exposed, for some of us, our lack of deep meaningful relationships because we've got so many like superficial relationships and keeping up with all those is kind of going, maybe God wants us to simplify and get down to uh, a few, a fewer number of friends that become more 2 a.m. or 4 a.m. friendships where it's like they are the people that you can call and they will show up on your doorstep at 2 a.m. because you need something, because you're in need, because life is difficult. And so we talked about that last week. If you missed any one of those, please go back and, and listen, um, listen to them. But we are at a really unique moment in our lives. And this is why we're doing this series. Um, it's because if we go back to the way things were, because we've been forced to slow down, we've been forced to, to, to kind of change some things, and we still are being forced to do that in a lot of ways. But if we go back to the way things were um, back in January and December and November of last year, if we just kind of get out of this coronavirus thing and back into the way things were, and our lives begin to be, um, be uh, kind of described through these words, if, our, if we go back to our lives being frenzied, if we go back to our lives being tired and weary and busy and frenetic and empty and disconnected from God and other people, um, if we go back to that, then I believe that we will have missed something that God wants to give every single one of us, a gift that God is trying to give us, and that is this, the opportunity to evaluate, adjust, and reset our lives. 
Like we are forced into this time period where we can actually evaluate, adjust, and reset our lives like no other opportunity that I've had in my lifetime. And I don't know if you've had it in your lifetime. This could be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity during this to actually evaluate, adjust, and reset how we're living our lives. And that's what this series is about. So I want to pray before I dive into what we're going to talk about today. Um, God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to um, uh, be able to freely teach your word and hear your word taught. And God, I, I thank you for bringing us together because you have something unique and specific for each one of us in the room, including me, that you want to say because we are actually giving you time and space in our life to do that right now. So God, I pray that you would help us to, to drop the distractions and just set them aside so that we might hear from you this morning. In your holy name, amen. So at the beginning of the day, um, pretty cool watching uh, Kevin and Aaron just kind of jam out and kind of take turns in that like kind of a, uh, a musical battle. But what was interesting to watch is as it escalated um, and they kind of played over each other there at the end and it kind of grew in intensity, at the end of it, it kind of stopped being cool and you kind of stopped like bobbing, popping your foot or kind of bobbing your head to it and it stopped having any type of rhythm to it. And it just reverted to a bunch of noise and then two sweaty guys, right? That's what it was. Two sweaty, tired guys at the end of that. Because there's something necessary in music for there to be any discernible rhythm detected. And that is this. In music, you have to have rests in the music where the note or the music stops for even the briefest of moments and allows that note to end and another begin. It allows the movement of music to end and then anticipates in that moment the start of the next movement, meaning this, without rests, moments without sound in music, it's hard to listen to. There's no beat. There's no groove. There's no movement. It just ends up as noise, and it's exhausting, and it's unsustainable, and nobody wants to listen to that over and over and over. Like literally, if those guys were still doing that right now from what they ended with, you would be like out the door. Like, I'm out. If this is what this service is going to be, we should have done that. Just annoyed you guys and said, see what I'm talking about? But here's the thing. In your life, just like with music, without significant intentional rests, there is no beat. There is no groove there's no movement to your life. It's just noise. And it is exhausting and unsustainable. And so what you find in God's Word, His instruction manual for life, meaning the one who gave us breath in our lungs, not only gave us this life, but He gave us a kind of instruction manual through Scripture to say, this is how to best live this life that I've given to you. In God's word, he actually gives us a rhythm to live to. He gives us a drum to beat to. He gives us a heavenly rhythm for our lives. And the rhythm that God gives us centers around this word, which we don't use in our culture very often, but it is the word Sabbath, which basically just means a day of rest. The Sabbath and observing the Sabbath means that for um, the entirety of your life, week to week, month to month, year to year, decade to decade, out of the seven days of the week designated, designated to us, designate one as a day of rest and dedicate it to God. Out of the seven days of the week that you've been given, 
Designate one as a day of rest and dedicate it to God. And the rhythm that he established, you find it in the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis 1. We have the seven-day creation story. And, you know, the big, the big uh, argument out there is, was it a literal seven days or was each day a thousand years or whatever? Scholars argue about that. It's a really interesting topic for another day. Um, but it's not, it's not essential to faith. But the way the story is written, the, the, after five days of creating, the universe, the stars, the earth, the oceans, on the sixth day, God created the land animals. And then his crowning achievement, the last thing he created was man. He created... Adam, and he set Adam in the garden, um, created in God's image was Adam, and he said, he looked at Adam and he said, it's not good for Adam to be alone. The animal, animals weren't cutting it as far as relationships, so he creates Eve and he brings Eve to Adam, and Adam goes, whoa, man, and that's a woman, you know, kind of became there, um, and, uh, and, and then God gave Adam and Eve instructions on caring for the animals and the plants in the garden. He told them how to take care of all the animals except for cats, because Satan broke in and actually made cats. God didn't make cats. Everybody knows that. Um, then he told them to be fruitful and multiply. All of that happens in the very first chapter of the Bible and the creation story, and then the first verse of chapter 2 is something very surprising, Genesis 2.1. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed, and on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he, what is that word? Rested from all his work. God created man on the sixth day, and this is fascinating, after he gave the gift of life to Adam and Eve on the sixth day, on the first day of human life, it was a day of rest. God mandated rest for mankind called the Sabbath, a full day of rest on the first day of mankind, which I'm like, okay, God rested on the seventh day like he's God. He does not need to rest. If he's capable of doing all this, he doesn't need to rest. He could have done so much on the seventh day. I mean, think of all that time wasted that he could have gotten done. He could have made more planets. He could have created even more animals. He could have created more universes. He could have fixed the cat problem that Satan started. Like, he could have taken care of all of that on that seventh day. I would have done so much on the seventh day, but God, in his infinite wisdom, in his understanding of creation... In his understanding of life and molecules and growth and speed and time and the rhythm of the universe and the rhythm of life that we need to live by, God, in his wisdom, on that seventh day, the first day of mankind, rested. And I find that fascinating, that God rested. He took a day. He took a day and he gave himself permission to do nothing. He gave himself permission to do nothing and established something that's so important to us that it is etched into man's existence from day one, a seven-day week with a day of rest. You know the seven days of the week um, isn't connected to anything astronomical like the rest of our rhythms are. You know, a day is dictated by the rotation of the earth on its axis. That, that's, that's, that's a day. A month is dictated by like the approximate um, interval between new moons. Um, the year is a duration of one orbital revolution of the earth around the sun. The seasons are all marked by equinoxes and solstices. But you know the seven-day week with a day of rest has no connection to anything in the natural world because it was established by God himself. The only thing a seven-day week is connected to is God because he gave us these six days and started us with a day of rest. God's design for human rhythm, the first full day of man's existence was a day of rest. And then after that rest, they got to work. 
The first day of their existence was a day of rest. And then they went to work tending the garden, multiplying, caring for God's creation like he asked them to, um, which gets us to this important truth. And we need to flip how we look at our weekends. Here's the truth. We are designed by God to work from rest, not rest from work. And it's very subtle, but it's very important. God's rhythm, which he leads to a rested and fruitful life, which all of us want, is actually working from our rest rather than resting from our work. What is most of our habit? We work, work, work. We cram as much into, much into, much into, and we fall exhausted into bed every night. We fall exhausted on the weekends, and we just have to kind of recharge over the weekend because we've overworked ourselves. We rest from our work. It's like, it's like the opening song, everybody's working for the weekend so that they can rest. And I think this song, if Jesus were writing it, he'd say everybody's working from the weekend because they rested over the weekend. That's the rhythm that God designed for man. First day of mankind's existence. Day of rest, then get to work. We're, de- we're designed by God to function best, to be our, at our healthiest when we work from a place of rest where you rest so well that you are ready to work. Not only did God model this for us by resting on the seventh day, man's first day, he mandated it for us. In Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, where God just said, you know what, I'm going to boil life down to following me and living the kind of life that I want you to live into ten laws, ten commandments. You know, where Moses went up on the mountain and and they were etched into stone. In Exodus 20, verse 8, one of the Ten Commandments is remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. It's a day to connect with God. In fact, God knows our propensity to find a way around it and to pack so much stuff into our Sabbath day, um, the seven days of the week, that he actually goes into pretty good detail because back then they were trying to get around it too. So he says this, on that Sabbath day that is dedicated to the Lord, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Like he's just covering all his bases, like nobody. For in six days, and he goes back to the creation story. For in six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But on the seventh day was a day of rest. Your first day was a day of rest. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Then in Exodus 31, God blessed and sanctified this, this, this um, Sabbath day, this day of rest, meaning this, there is a blessing for you and me in this Sabbath day. There is a holiness to the Sabbath day. There is a connectedness to God with the Sabbath day. There's a rhythm of life created from placing a Sabbath day in your life. And most importantly, and this is fascinating to me, most importantly, intentionally choosing a weekly day of rest is an act of obedience to God. It's an act of obedience. And this is what I always say, because, you know, it's like, it's like being a part of a church for 25 years, being a pastor in a church for 25 years, um, you know, there's different le- levels and layers of spiritual maturity, and, and, and people, you know, always want to be more mature in their spiritual life, and this is what I always say, this is the best definition I've ever heard of spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity <coughs> is measured by the speed of obedience. It's the speed of obedience. The more spiritually mature you are, the quicker is the time between when you read God's Word and you are convicted um, by something that the Holy Spirit is saying you need to change your life and you do it. So I always look at it and go, ah, you know, you need to teach more Scripture and you need to read like full chapters during services and because we need to grow more spiritually. And I always look at it and go, well, how, how are you doing at how much Scripture you know and, and you're implementing it in your life? Like if you are implementing every single part of Scripture that you possibly know into your life perfectly, you probably need to go to another church <laughs> because I'm like still working on that. 
I'm still working on maturing spiritually. Now, why bring this up, this speed of obedience? Do you know that having a full day of rest in your week is an act of obedience to God? And what does obedience do? Obedience always precedes God's blessing. You want God's blessing in your life? Obey Him. And if you're looking at your life and going, man, I don't see God's blessing anywhere, are you obeying Him? Are you doing everything that you know God is asking you to do? Are you just being obedient? Because obedience always precedes blessing. So God, in His instruction manual for your life and for my life in the Bible, He says, it's so important that you slow down at least one day a week and do nothing and you rest that I'm putting it in my top 10. For all of history, one of the top things you can do with your life is to incorporate into the seven days of the week that I gave you this rhythm that you incorporate, a Sabbath. Now, this does not come easy to us. My wife, a few weeks ago, she, uh, I came home from, from the office and I went, how was your day? And totally dejected. She was so down. It's like I had to pick her up off the floor. She says, I've done nothing. I have totally wasted my day. I didn't do anything productive at all. And I could just hear the despair in her voice because she just felt like she lost a day. And so I, it just hit me in that moment. I just asked her a question. I'm like, why is that such a bad thing? Why can't having an unproductive day be a great thing, be an okay thing to do? And to which she just said, you are such a wise and loving husband. How was I so lucky? (laughs) All right. She didn't say that out loud, but she was thinking it. I'm telling you, she was thinking that. But here's what's fascinating. In God's economy, in the way God looks at life, the way God looks at us, doing nothing is doing something. Doing nothing is actually doing something. Intentionally doing nothing is productive in God's economy. Doing nothing for a day out of the seven actually allows you to be more productive the other six days of the week. So let me contrast two rhythms. You've got man's rhythm and God's rhythm. Man's rhythm is this, 24-7, 365, right? Isn't that our rhythm? 24-7, 365. It's always go, go, go. Always busy. YOLO, FOMO. Always doing something. Don't let let life pass you by. Um, Don't have any margin. If you see something really fun that other people are doing, go do it as soon as you can and pack, 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 pack. Get everything into your life. All the kids' sports you can do. Run over here and get all the stuff that you need and just live, 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 live. That's kind of our our rhythm. 24-7, 365. You shrink your margins down to where there really is no time in between anything. And so here's what happens when you live that way and your margin shrinks. Think back to January some of you, you're still kind of in that right now because your life hasn't changed that much over the last seven, eight months. But some of you, it's a big change over the last seven, seven, eight months. Go back to how you were living your life. When your margins shrink, when you don't rest, when you don't intentionally take a day to tap the brakes, your stress expands. And some of you, you're a stressed person. Chances are you lack margin. I don't need to know much about you, but you lack margin. You don't have the space to function normally because stress expands when our margins shrink. Joy evaporates when our margins shrink. It takes time to put joy into your life. And it's often free time that fills us with joy. When your margins shrink, stress expands, joy evaporates, and our relationships suffer. That's the biggest loss is because the enemy of intimacy is busyness. It's packing our schedules. It's 24-7, 365. Uh, Relationships suffer. Not only our relationship with each other, but our relationship with God. When I ask people um, how they're doing spiritually, and we talk, like really like sit down eye to eye, knee to knee, and I'm like, how are you doing spiritually? 
And we start talking about, you know, the things that you do to be in relationship with God, your quiet time and, and, and being silent and having a little bit of solitude and reading God's word and praying and just, just relationally engaging him. Um, you know what the number one reason people give me for not spending time with God is? Is what? I don't have time. Oh, I need to do that. I like, oh, I need to, I just need to, I just need to like, suck it up and just make it happen. Like, it's just, it's like, it's all time. It's all, I'm just so busy. I can't, I don't know my, my head from my tail. I'm just going, going, going. I don't have time for God, which means ultimately because we are in charge of our schedules, we're not making time for God. And I'll just tell you this. I have a propensity to choose 24-7, 365. I, I, you know, hey, I'm just like everybody else. YOLO, FOMO, all day long, man. I see stuff online. I'm like, I should be doing more with my life. You know, you just got all this stuff that's going on. A few years ago, um, this made me think, this week made me think of a few falls ago. Um, I had a two months that I just remember my hair was on fire and it was so, uh, such a discouraging time in my life when I was the busiest but most discouraged. Um, I was uh, coaching the golf team for West Orange High School, which was four days a week. I was um, leading Edge on Wednesday evenings, and I was getting things set up for breakaway on Sunday mornings. I was speaking to the West Orange football team, kind of doing like chaplain stuff. On Thursday afternoons, I was dealing with our 246 building being built kind of daily. Um, and then in the fall, that fall, the Orlando Magic season started, and suddenly I've got to add chapels for the Orlando Magic to every um, home game that we have. And uh, there was one week, and this distinctly stands out in my mind, there was one week where I had spoken in front of groups of people five times that week before Sunday. I had already spoken five times. And any of you that have done any public speaking, you know every time you speak publicly, it just takes a little chunk out of you of just energy and, and focus, and it just kind of depletes you just a little bit. Five times before even getting to Sunday. That's not including being a dad of four kids, all the extracurricular activities, practices, games that were going on that week, and then being at home and being a dad and being a husband. And what ended up happening is I was a human doing rather than a human being for those two months. Like, that was just it. I, like, I had no time to just be. I was just doing, 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 burning the candle at both ends. There was no margin. And I just remember it was stressful. It was joyless. And relationally, it was incredibly lonely and empty. I was anything but rested and fruitful. That's what 24-7, 365 gets you. And that's where you end up, always. Well, here's God's rhythm. It's really simple. It's 1-6. It's just 1-6. One day of rest, six days of work from it. You want to live a sustainable rhythm, a godly rhythm that will breathe life into you? Mandate a day of rest in your life, a day of leisure into your life, and then work the other six days from that rest. Hold that one day, that Sabbath day apart as holy. Protect it and connect with God during it. And you might be going, well, I only work five days a week, so I really have two days over the weekend. Well, here's, here's what this means. That sixth day, that sixth day, Get all your chores, your honeydew lists, your house projects, your shopping done. And then that seventh day, give yourself permission to do nothing, to not check a thing off your list. Give yourself permission to intentionally take a full day and just rest, a 24-hour period. Give yourself the opportunity to have a Sabbath. And that obedience will bring about blessing. Because according to Jesus, you need a day of rest. Mark 2, verse 27, then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. 
the way God designed you, your genetic makeup, you need a full day of rest. And it's just not getting a good night's sleep. It's a full day of Sabbath rest. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirement of the Sabbath. That's a big word. That's an important word. God created the Sabbath. I believe he rested on the seventh day, our first day, because we have a need, whether you know it or not, to recharge and replenish and abide. And it starts by giving yourself the permission not to check anything off your list, by doing whatever you need to do to fill up your soul, your spiritual tank, your emotional tank, your physical tank. So let's talk about two sides of the Sabbath. And then I want to get into like, an applica- like a little bit of application because you can do this, you know, starting today, you can begin to adjust the rhythm of your life to one six. So let's talk about Sabbath. What does Sabbath mean? It means adding some leisure into your life, okay? Leisure time into your life. That's one side of the Sabbath. The other side is connecting with God. So leisure, free time from work or duties, And if duties, when I say that, makes you chuckle a little bit, I'm with you because I think it's a funny word. But it's free time from work or duties. Secondly, leisure is the use of that free time for enjoyment. So it is like free time from work, the job that you have, and the duties that you have around your house to get everything done and do all the stuff and do the shopping and make sure that your house is taken care of. Free time from that and the use of that free time that you do have for enjoyment, which means you can bring into the picture leisure activities. You might call that rest. You might call that play. It's a little different for everybody. Um, This day of rest is doing whatever fills you up. What's going to fill you up emotionally? What's going to fill you up spiritually? What's going to fill you up physically? Whatever gives you back some of your energy. For some of you, it might be, some of you introverts out there, it'll be being quiet and read a book. It'll be like, talk to the hand. I'll be back in about four hours, and I'm going to go somewhere in the house and lock myself in the closet, and I'm just going to read. I'm going to be quiet, and that's going to charge you up. That is leisure. For some of you, um, it might be getting pulled behind a boat really, really fast because that's super fun, and that fills you up, and you're more adventurous. Um, you know, Melissa and I, we, we've been boat owners for the last seven years, and for, for me, there is something about being out on a lake that literally just restores my soul every single time. Melissa just laughs at me because at some point, um, every single time, um, I just look out there, and I'm like, oh, it's so nice being out here. This is so beautiful. It's like the cares of the world just drift away for me when I'm out on the water. So for me, that is an amazing leisure activity in my life. It recharges and replenishes my soul. It could be going to the beach. It's an hour drive out there. Go to the beach. Take a, take a walk. Go on a long walk around your sub. Do some, do some running. It could be sleeping in. It could be napping in the afternoon. It could be spending time, free time with your friends with no obligations or your family with no obligations. Um, it could be playing games. And I'll just tell you, when you have margin and engage in leisure activities, it creates space for joy and fun to enter into your life. You need space for joy to actually creep in. In fact, when you don't do things that are fun, when you don't do things that allow joy to creep in, that bring joy into your life, you know it's easy to lose sight of the goodness of God. You can lose sight of how good God is by just... just scheduling out anything filling and joyful and uh, that, that, that margin provides. That's why God loves it when we play. You know, he loves it when we play. He loves it when we have fun. What dad isn't happy to see his children have fun, right? You parents out there, you know, when your kids are having a blast, it just, you just, it's like a light being shined in your soul. 
when we do fun things, when we have joy, when we um, create margin in our life and, and happiness and joy can kind of ruminate, it reminds us that we have a good Father in heaven. We have a good God that loves us. And I'll just tell you, Sundays for me are a work day. I'm usually up, <clears throat> you know, 4 or 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning and here till you know, 12, 1 o'clock. My day off, my day of rest is Mondays. And I give myself permission to do nothing on Mondays. I keep them pretty, um, pretty sacred. I rarely check my email. I don't return calls unless they're from, from friends or it's an emergency stuff or family that, that's got to be taken care of. Um, and so I give myself permission to intentionally not check anything off the list my, the entire day. The other six days of the week, I'm working. I'm checking stuff off the list. I'm engaged in the church. I'm engaged um, you know, fully with the, the family and getting all the stuff done that we need to get done. The Sabbath, if you're going to incorporate, you're going to live one to six, it has to consist of leisure and leisure activities, which are a part of the Sabbath that fill you up and allow joy to creep in so that you remember that you have a good God in heaven that loves you, a good, good father. The other side of the Sabbath is connecting with God. There's this story in Luke 10 about two sisters named Mary and Martha, and Jesus shows up at their house, um, which was quite the occasion. I mean, he was super well-known at this time, and like everybody was traveling from miles and miles to hear him teach. Um, and when he got to Mary and Martha's house, they both responded very differently to Jesus being there. Luke 10, verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. She's like tattling, like she's going to God to tattle on her sister. She's not helping me. And so Jesus responds in that moment. He says, Martha, Martha, which I still, I always hear as like the Brady Bunch, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Like that's just how I hear it. He says, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. And in fact, the gift of her taking the time to sit at the feet of Jesus, that gift will not be taken from her. She will experience it fully. I love this. Jesus... God in the flesh, right in front of Martha, and she's so busy doing that she's missing being with Jesus. She's missing out on being with Jesus and connecting with him because she's so distracted by all the preparations. And I'll tell you, so many of us, we want Jesus more. We want to grow spiritually. We want to know what God wants us to do. We want to be fruitful from an eternal perspective. But in our choices of how we live, we tend to live like Martha, distracted by all the busyness of life, living with no margin, no rests in our rhythm. And we miss out on the chance to regularly sit at the feet of Jesus and just listen. And we end up with the same result that Martha did. What was Martha? She was worried and upset about many things. That's how Jesus described her. You are worried and upset about many things. Why? Because she wouldn't stop and take the time to just sit at the feet of Jesus. How many of us in this room are worried and upset about many things because we are going at such a pace and we have chosen to live without ever stopping and sitting at the feet of Jesus and connecting with him, which results in worry and being upset about many things. So here's what a new future looks like when we get out of this thing. And I don't know how many more months it's going to be till like our lives kind of start to take a little bit of a semblance of normal um, back to the way things were. But again, this is back to a new future. When we get back to that new future, you need to include a day, a week to give yourself permission 
to put your phone down, to not plug into your social media accounts, and to get nothing done on your to-do list and do whatever it is that will fill you up physically, spiritually, and emotionally. You need to give that gift to yourself if you ever want to be rested and fruitful. And you know what this rhythm is? This rhythm is every single week, every single month, every single year for the rest of your life. It is being obedient to this godly rhythm. And when you do, you experience what Jesus talks about in Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. You want rest in your life? Go to Jesus. He says, take my yoke upon you, my way of living, my teaching, and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And when you do that, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when Jesus says, come to me, you know what he's saying? He's saying, come be in relationship with me. And when you're in relationship with me, do not be concerned about all this stuff going on. Just sit at my feet every now and then, once a week even, daily, and just listen. Just listen. Give time to our relationship, to be with me, to listen to me, to connect with me. So let's talk about a little bit of application. Some of you today, you need to go home, come up with a plan, and write it down. What are you going to do? How are you going to start adjusting from 24-7, 365 to 1-6? How are you going to organize your life into that rhythm? What leisure activities will fill up your cup on those days? And some of you, I talk to some of you, you're like, I need to find something fun to do. Because right now, you, you, I got nothing. You need to find something fun to do that will fill up your cup. You need to write down how are you going to do what you're coming up with to do that's going to change this, <clears throat> going to change this rhythm that you're living to. How are you going to incorporate silence and solitude, um, abiding in Christ? How are you going to connect with God and incorporate that over time? What uh, fun activities are you going to pull your family into so that the, the, the three or four or two or five or seven of you, like my crazy brother, are going to just enjoy being together and being with God and get your cups filled? What are you going to do? What about those friends that you need to develop into 2 a.m. friends? How are you going to incorporate them into this rhythm where you're growing together? And you write down that plan, and then you run that plan till December, and then you evaluate. You go, hey, is this, am I more rested and fruitful in two months than I was back in October? Am I more rested and fruitful now than I was in January or December of last year? And you'll know, and then you adjust that. You adjust it. You get people to hold you accountable because this rhythm is so important that God put it as one of the 10 things to do that'll give you a rested and fruitful life. And some of you are just dying to have this different rhythm where you're not worried and upset about many things. This is a part of not being worried and upset about many things. So that's some of you need to go home, write that down. Actually, all of us. But there's also a smaller group of you um, that you're going to change the rhythm of your life and you're going to do that by creating a life that actually includes God. Because right now, God's not really a part of your life. And you can feel him tapping on your heart. You can feel him tapping on your shoulder. Just saying, come to me and I'll give you rest. You've been hearing about this relationship with God, but you've never stepped across that line of faith. Where God says, when you do that, when you invite me in, I will bring rest. I will bring you my presence. I will bring you my love, my peace, my favor. All of that starts by inviting Jesus into your life in beginning that relationship with the creator of the universe. And so I want to pray for us. Um, would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Um, and all, all of you at home, would you please do the same? And if you're ready to accept Christ today, if like today is your day to just step across that line of faith and begin a new life, 
with God. I want to ask you to just pray with me if that's you and today's your day. Make my words your words. There's nothing special about the words. It's just the posture of your heart. You can say, Father God, today is my day to invite you into my life. I believe you sent your son to earth to die for my sins. That he was raised to life three days later, defeating death forever. And you did this because you love me. Please forgive me for my sins and help me to change from the inside out in the best way possible. Jesus, I invite you into my life, my heart today. Today I surrender my life to your leadership and your direction. Help me live to a rhythm that leaves room for you to speak to me. And Father, for the rest of us, I ask that in the coming months and years that we would establish a different rhythm post-pandemic that matches the rhythm that you've given to us to live. Lord, where we actually are creating space for you to speak to us. Lord, I pray that you wouldn't allow us to keep drowning you out with our busyness and worrying about many things, but that we might take Mary's route and that weekly we would just sit at your feet and just listen. That we would choose the better thing and that the gift that comes from that would not be taken from us. In your holy name, amen. Every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. 
above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever
from this is that God came down in man in Jesus who went to the cross and died for your sins. Three days later he was risen from the dead and so are we. We are buried with Christ 
with our sin and we are raised together. So sing this with me. He was silent till the end was through. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? Friday's disappointment, Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? This is the sound of dry bones rattling. This is the praise making dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling.
starting today, obey God in this area of your life and see what happens. I want to know what happens. Give it two months and see if God doesn't start blessing you in just new and exciting ways that you didn't even know could happen when you live rested and fruitful because of the promises that he's given us when we do. As we are heading out of here, um, there's one thing that I want to um, bring back up. 